You can search in the scriptures for the date of Jesus' birth, and you will not find it. There is no specific verse or chapter where it says, here is the date Jesus was born. Uh, We know that Matthew and Luke's Gospels do report the event of his birth. And uh, while there are some other circumstantial things, including some rulers and governing authorities that are named, the particular date, month and date of the week is not given. Um, The question I want to answer tonight um, is not... Was Jesus actually born on December 25th? Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't think it can be completely ruled out. Um, but there are some questions about that particular date as to whether it's actually the date of his birth. I'm interested in a different question tonight. The question, is the celebration of Christmas on December 25th rooted in paganism? In other words, what is the origin of December the 25th? Now, let's begin thinking about this topic with the question about the controversy itself. What is the controversy with December 25th? And and I think we can put it plainly uh, as several recent, and I say recent as in last year, particular article comments about this topic laid it out. One particular man named Josh in 2021 put it this way. We stopped celebrating December 25th years ago. The more we looked into its pagan origins, the more we wondered, what fellowship does light have with darkness? It's a pretty strong comment. A man named David uh, last year wrote on a comment in an article about December 25th, Christmas is full of pagan traditions. It is a celebration of the return of the sun, Saturnalia. In order to bring Christians on board, they included Christ in it to make it more palatable. Christians. Another online source says about Pope Julius I, Pope Julius I chose December 25th as the date when Christmas was celebrated in an effort to absorb and adopt traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. I'm just giving you a few examples of the kind of thing you do here. The controversy is about this idea, that Christmas would be originally a pagan celebration. What, it, what is it associated with, though, in uh, such a, a pagan history? And if you ask somebody, well, if Christmas had pagan roots, as you might be alleging, what are those roots? What did they take shape to look like? And, and you, you answer the question number two here, what would pagan roots uh, supposedly mean as well? Uh, So before we uh, answer that second question, you could look at answers to uh, the possible associations. They might say, well, Christmas is marking the winter solstice, which was very much associated with pagan activity and worship. Or Christmas is rooted in the remembrance of Saturnalia. That's a, a name that we just heard in a couple of those quotes, actually. Or that Christmas is rooted in Sol Invictus, or the birth of Mithras, or Horus. Various pagan deities. So if you were to ask somebody, what what kind of pagan roots is Christmas associated with? You might find language like that. Question number two here, what would pagan roots supposedly mean? Well, the understanding seems to be that if Christmas has pagan roots, you ought to have nothing to do with it. You ought to have nothing to do with it because if it is rooted in pagan practices, you would be engaging in pagan practices as a Christian. Now, let's assume for the sake of argument for a moment that the origin of December 25th is rooted in pagan practices. I want you to listen to Kevin DeYoung address this idea. He says, the presence of some connection with Christmas and a pagan celebration 
could mean syncretism, a copycat. I want to take that into my faith, mixing up paganism. In other words, let's Christianize this popular pagan holiday. De Young says that's not the only direction this could work. It could also be a deliberate rejection. Hey, this pagan holiday is horrible. We will do this instead and do something distinctively Christian and God-honoring in its place. So de Young says, for the sake of argument, even if Christians celebrating Christmas on December 25th had pagan associations at its root, we don't want to be guilty of the genetic fallacy. Namely, if something began in a particular way, that the offspring of it or any practitioners of it down the road would always be in error of that same root. De Young gives us things to think about. For example, he points out how Gregory the Great in 1601 was urging Christian missionaries to take pagan temples and turn them into churches. And everybody might be able to say, well, Gregory, don't you realize these buildings were used for idolatrous worship? And I think Gregory's response would be, yeah, let's stop that. (laughs) Let's instead gather to praise the living God and not do idolatry here anymore. And so if somebody were to say, well, this was once used or appropriated in this manner, it would not guarantee that a different use of the same day or parallel practices might imply idolatry. Uh, That would be a logical fallacy. We would not want to do that. But that's still for the sake of argument, considering whether uh, Christmas has pagan roots. So here's the, the, the big question. Number three, is December 25th rooted in paganism? And, and I think the, the way to get at this historically is to say, if you can demonstrate problems with some of the common pagan associations, and if you could show that earlier than those associations, December 25th was treated in a certain way by Christians, then I think this argument about uh, pagan roots really becomes problematic very fast. Um, we are not in our culture guilty and rightly charged with being well-informed about church history. Um, In fact, it is uh, quite the opposite, where we can have in the cultural dialogue of the day all sorts of caricatures and falsehoods, outright myths and misunderstandings that are said and propagated and advanced in the name of um, Christianity. December 25th is talked about this time of year every year. And you can go on different websites to find all sorts of different views. Well, about anything, first of all, but also about December 25th. And so if someone were to say, well, you know, I was doing some research on the Internet and here's what I found. Well, you know, I mean, you can do research on the Internet and find just about any particular position you wanted to defend on anything under the sun. Is December 25th rooted in paganism? What do we know from history? Well, let's consider some of the pagan associations suggested. What about the winter solstice? The idea might be, well, Christmas is rooted in in pagan roots because it's all about the winter solstice, which was a pagan celebration. Well, the winter solstice, what is that, first of all? What's the day of the year where the fewest hours of sunlight are present? It it gets the the, uh, moniker of the shortest day of the year. And the pagan celebration of the winter solstice uh, is something that you see in history. It was marking the rebirth of the sun, and it involved all sorts of revelry and pagan activity and celebration and worship. The winter solstice occurs annually on one of two days, December 21st or December 22nd. Never December 25th. 
What about Saturnalia? Saturnalia is something that in article comments or news and media outlets will often be raised as you you even see well-meaning atheists. Um, And I don't mean to use that phrase sarcastically. Well-meaning atheists who speak about church history and Christian practices and say, oh, it's just so obvious that Christmas is just rooted in the Saturnalia practice. Saturnalia, there's a word in there, Saturn. The agricultural god Saturn of the Romans. This feast, Saturnalia, took place on December 17th. Not the 25th, on the 17th. And then over the years, additional days were added to it up to December 23rd. It became one of the most popular Roman festivals, but not celebrated on December 25th. In other words, this particular celebration is an ancient Roman celebration in December that was exclusively initially on December 17th with several days added, and yet ending before December 25th. Thinking about winter solstice, thinking about Saturnalia, what about this soul invictus? This is a phrase that means the unconquered sun. If we remember that the winter solstice is going to bring about the remembrance of uh, the the sun to uh, the people, since they're no longer going to have the shortest day uh, or darkening uh, days, but rather days of increasing light, uh, this was uh, to celebrate the, uh, if you will, the rebirth of the sun and the gradual increase of light in the months to come. So Sol Invictus was associated with the period of the winter solstice by the Romans, The god that the Romans called Sol Invictus was introduced by a particular emperor named uh, Elagabalus, and this uh, was instituted in the 200s. The earliest reference uh, um, uh, of Roman practice of this particular festival is it was celebrated in 274 AD. This was according to Emperor Aurelian. Emperor Aurelian, and a celebration of it on December 25th, referenced in A.D. 354. A.D. 354. To summarize what I just said, because I know it's multiple dates, is that in the Roman Empire, there was a particular festival um, and a remembrance of a god named Sol Invictus that was established in the 200s by Emperor Aurelian in 274 A.D., And the earliest reference that it was celebrated on December 25th wasn't uh, referenced in history until A.D. 354. In other words, there is no evidence historically, none, zero, that Sol Invictus was worshipped on December 25th prior to 354 A.D. Now, when you look at the other possible gods, Mithras... Mithras is a Roman deity who gained popularity, and there are myths perpetuated every year about connections between Mithras and Christmas, and some claim with zero historical evidence that according to the Romans, Mithras was born on December 25th. This is a claim that is said so often you would think it would be true, but it is without historical basis. This is one of those things that you see on memes and comparison charts between ancient Mithraism and Christianity, the things that were in common. Both had a God on December 25th. But that's not true. 
It's one of those falsehoods that continues to be touted as fact. Mithras and Sol Invictus do not have early church evidence as being associated with December 25th. What about Horus? Horus is an Egyptian god. And the same kind of things said about Mithras are said about Horus. Horus was born on December 25th. And yet, there is no evidence of that date being associated in those documents with Horus. These are things that have caught on culturally... And that digging under them, we find no root or basis for Mithras or Horus being gods that the Christians imitated in the worship of their own god on December the 25th. Uh, So what I wanted to do with this third question, is December 25th rooted in paganism? I wanted to look at several of those associations and say, it's just not so clear in any of those associations that Christians said, oh, we're going to imitate that now. So how did, question number four here, how did Christ's birth get connected to December 25th? Now, this might surprise you, I don't know. There are references to December 25th before the festival of Sol Invictus in the latter 200s and the practice of it in 354 AD in a more formal way. Before all of those celebrations, there are early Christian references to December 25th. And the question is, what is their logic? How did they get there? And you should know that no early Christian writings make any case that December 25th was an imitation of a pagan day that was going to be reappropriated. That is not found in any early writings. None. Not any pagan writings. Not any Christian writings. How did Christ's birth get connected to December 25th? A man named Julius Africanus was a Christian historian who lived in the late 100s, early 200s. And around 220-221, he makes the following statement. Jesus' conception, okay, Jesus' conception was on March 25th. And therefore, his birth would have been nine months later. His argument is that March 25th is the conception of Christ, and nine months later, March is the third month of the year, all the way to the 12th month, we're dealing with nine-month span, you get to the birth of Christ. Now you might say, well, wait a second, wait a second, where do they get March 25th, and why are they talking about the conception of Christ on March 25th? What's the connection there? Hold that thought for a moment. In addition to Julius Africanus, which is an early 200s AD reference, a man named Hippolytus, who also wrote um, in the early 3rd century AD, he says, let me get this quote here, this was uh, in a commentary on the book of Daniel, chapter 423. And Hippolytus' commentary says, The first advent of our Lord in the flesh, when he was born in Bethlehem, was eight days before the calends of January. The calends of a month is a way of talking about the beginning of the month, starting with that and counting backward. If you take Hippolytus' comment about the the, uh, eight days before the calends of January, you arrive at December 25th. We also find that he believed Christ was conceived on March 25th, Just like Julius Africanus did. These are people who write in the 200s 
And why are they talking about Jesus being conceived in March and then a nine-month gap leading to December 25th? Well, the idea seems to be this. Hippolytus, Julius Africanus, and others, they believe the Lord balances the cosmos with dates. And that Christ's crucifixion was best estimated to be March 25th. And that in this important prominent figure, Christ the Lord, his death would be on the same date as his conception. And so they're looking at this full circle idea. Now, I don't think they have any biblical evidence for this. This was their idea, though. They, they tried to do some calculations using John the Baptist's uh, father and his priestly ministry. They arrive at March 25th, and they say, therefore, that's his conception as well. The date of Jesus' crucifixion was then believed by many to be the date of his conception. If you take March 25th, and you go nine months later, you arrive at December 25th. In other words, before Sol Invictus, before a language about Mithras and Horus were associated with Christmas in the, in the cultural things in our day and, and a bit earlier. You have these writers talking about the conception of Christ unto his birth. Nine months from March 25th to December 25th. Historically, the evidence seems to point that December 25th began to be associated with the birth of Christ because nine months earlier, March 25th, was believed to be his conception date. Now, you don't have to be persuaded that March 25th was the date of his conception. I've not seen any persuasive evidence of that. All I'm saying is this begins to strictly undermine the idea that Christianity took Christmas rooted in pagan roots and imitated other practices that uh, we should uh, not have any association with. Augustine, in his book on the Trinity, he says Christ is believed to have been conceived on the 25th of March. This is Augustine writing around 400 A.D. In other words, this wasn't like what one person happened to think among you know, early church fathers. And it was like some guy's theory. This is now Augustine, whose shadow across church history loomed for the next thousand years up to the time before the Reformation. Augustine says in his book on the Trinity, Christ is believed to have been conceived on the 25th of March, upon which day he also suffered. So the womb of the virgin in which he was conceived, where no one of mortals was begotten, corresponds to the new grave in which he was buried. He was born, according to tradition, upon December the 25th. This is Augustine, around 400 AD. And why was he saying this? Because of the practice of Sol Invictus or Saturnalia? No. That is not the reasoning in Augustine or in Julius Africanus, or in Hippolytus. The early church fathers are making a calculation of a nine-month span from his crucifixion, which they say was also the date of his conception all those years earlier. In fact, one of the reasons we know that this is the historical basis for December 25th is because of some calendar differences in the Roman Empire. In other words, are you aware that there are some Christians in the world that mark Christmas not on December 25th, but on January the 6th? What would be the explanation of that? Well, again, it has nothing to do with Sol Invictus or Saturnalia or Mithras or Horus. It has to do with calculating the crucifixion and conception. 
In other words, the second leg to this that I'm wanting to put uh, together for us, I think, confirms the best historical evidence behind December 25th's roots. What we know is that um, April the 6th was believed to be the death of Christ according to the Greek calendar. In in other words, and I'm going to quote uh, a writer here. In the East, a man named Epiphanius believed that on April 6th, Christ died and took away the sins of the world, which he says was the same date that he was put into the spotless womb of the Holy Virgin all those years earlier. The Eastern Church, using a Greek calendar, calculated his death on April 6th. And the Western Church, using the Roman calendar, calculated his crucifixion to be on March 25th. And it's those crucifixion calculations. I think you might not be persuaded that one of those is right and the other is not. That's not the point. The point is, this is what explains the rise of the different markings of Christmas celebration, December 25th versus January the 6th. It's about the nine months, the nine months of first and second and third trimesters of the Virgin Mary. If March 25th is the right date of the conception, which they argued, then nine months later you get December 25th. If it's April 6th, nine months later you get January 6th. Either way, between December 25th and January 6th, you do get the 12 days of Christmas, uh, which is what that uh, is historically tied to, that, those intervening days. That's for free. <laughs> um, we, also, we also need to know that Jerome, who wrote in the three and four hundreds, he believed uh, that the symbolism of December 25th was important because he understands that in the context of the lateness of December, the winter solstice had been happening. And Jerome knows that in the days prior with the winter solstice, light has come more greatly and increasingly into the world. And Jerome says, well, then even nature is in agreement with our claim, Jerome says. Because he is making the claim that light has come into the world with the incarnation. So what we are celebrating, it's not pagan festivals and revelry. We are talking about the incarnation for crying out loud. And Jerome says, well, then even nature agrees with us that light is coming into the world. John Chrysostom, who writes in the 300s and 400s, who was an archbishop of Constantinople, he claimed that December 25th, was a date that had veracity according to the ancient tax records of the Holy Family when they registered in Bethlehem. That's quite a claim. The the, the reason I'm mentioning a variety of early church writers from the 200s, from the 300s, from the 400s, is so that you will know the expressed reasoning that they're giving you about December 25th. And none of it has anything to do with Mithras or Horus or Sol Invictus or any of those things. It has to do with a nine-month span between a perceived conception and the birth of Christ. It explains why some in the church celebrated it December 25th, others on January the 6th, because of a calendar difference among the East and the West. Some summary points here. There is nothing in early Christian or pagan writings about the church adopting December 25th from paganism. You can search the early writings. They they do not make this claim. Julius Africanus is the earliest example from the 200s that speaks of Christ's birth being calculated. The reason that's really important is because if the calculation is up to December 25th in the early 200s, that's before Sol Invictus was ever established as a Roman festival. 
So who suggested pagan roots for Christmas? Kevin DeYoung puts it this way. There is no suggestion that the birth of Jesus was set at the time of a pagan holiday until the 12th century. There was a particular guy named Dionysius Barsalibi. Dion quotes it this way, or puts it this way. Dionysius stated that Christmas was moved from January 6th to December 25th to correspond with Sol Invictus. This was the claim in the 12th century AD. This was not a claim made for the first thousand years of church history. DeYoung says, for the first millennium of the church's history, no one makes this connection. And then, after the 12th century, you find, with that particular manuscript note, several writers in the 16 and 1700s that pick up on this. The 16 and 1700s were filled with post-enlightenment thinking among certain theologians in Europe who wanted to discount the origins and veracity of Christianity, and they were eager to find anything, grasp upon anything, to say Christian celebrations evolve from earlier practices. That, for them, was very important. It's part of a, a movement within, uh, within histor- historical studies called the History of Religions School of Thought. And these particular guys were known as Jablonski and Harduin. Jablonski was a historian who wanted to show that he believed December 25th was rooted in a paganization of Christianity. And then Harduin wanted to try to show that the Catholic Church was adopting pagan festivals without paganizing the gospel because they took on some pagan celebration, December 25th, he says, but we celebrate Christ, so therefore we didn't corrupt it. The 16 and 1700s were full of interesting things in parallel. In addition to these kinds of arguments that were being made, the rise of the Puritans had been going on in the 1600s as well. And the influence of certain suspicions and supposed associations with Christmas and ancient pagan roots influenced a number of folks within the Puritans movement. More on that in just a moment. There is a historian that I think has an interesting theory here. A historian named William Teague. And he writes, he's a church historian. He says, the pagan festival of Sol Invictus, instituted by Emperor Aurelian was almost certainly an attempt to create a pagan alternative for a date already important to Christians. What if, what if it's the reverse of what some popular understandings would have you believe? That rather than Christmas rooted in pagan celebrations, the rise of Sol Invictus can be traced chronologically as post December 25th importance for early Christians in the 200s. What if, as this church historian suggests, that the rise of Sol Invictus was meant to be an imitation of the earlier Christian holiday because of hostility toward the faith? He says the pagan origins of Christmas is a myth without historical substance. But you might be able to make the chronological argument that the rise of pagan celebration with December 25th was in response to the Christian conviction. Now that is a very interesting historical thing to consider. Now what about those Puritans? Question number six. I mean, I love the Puritans. My goodness, I love to read them. I love to quote them to you. I do it all the time. And yet Puritans 
like any interpreter of the scripture after the apostles, they can underreact or overreact or misinterpret things. We are all susceptible to that same thing. We are all in that category of non-inspired interpreters. So what about these Puritans? A man named Hugh Latimer wrote in the 16th century that men dishonor Christ more in the 12 days of Christmas than in all the 12 months besides. Wow. Whoa, hold on. Let me repeat that. Men dishonor Christ more in the 12 days of Christmas than in all the months besides. Why would Hugh Latimer say that in the 16th century? Because the Puritans and others who came uh, with concern about Christmas knew the intense, immoral, and idolatrous things committed during those festivals. Christmas revelers, this is historically sound. Christmas revelers used the holiday, as one writer put it, as an excuse to engage in immorality and drunkenness with abandon. In 17th century England, Christmas was one of the largest religious observances there were. But rather than focused and exalting the risen Christ and his incarnation um, during that particular uh, period of celebration and remembrance, their feast days were filled with immorality and drunkenness. Now the Puritans arise, and the Puritans are very concerned about living ethically and morally for the sake of the kingdom. They want to not associate themselves with what would compromise their spiritual discipline or their obedience. And they were part of an era in history, a window of time, in which some were making claims that Christmas had pagan roots. And this seemed to be an influential idea. And when you read about, well, the Puritans didn't like Christmas, you have to be more specific than that. What is it that bothered them? Well, they were certainly outraged that there were rampant idolatrous and immoral activities. They were also concerned about the fact that the Bible doesn't tell anybody to celebrate Christmas. So wanting to be very much aligned with the text, they noticed that there is no command or example of people gathering in the New Testament to celebrate the birth of Christ. And so they're saying, well, you know, the, the, the text doesn't tell us to do this. And we know that when we see celebrations happening around us, it is just rife with immorality and idolatry. These are the sorts of things that lie behind the very understandable Puritan concern about Christmas. Uh, This didn't end when uh, pilgrims traveled to the New World. We actually find uh, crackdowns on Christmas celebrations extending into the 1600s um, in uh, in the United States. Uh, In fact, in 1659... The Massachusetts Bay Colony actually banned Christmas. I don't know if you know this historically. I had, I, I had never read about this. So I found this fascinating. An early law book of the Massachusetts Bay Colony said the following from the 1650s. For preventing disorders arising in several places within this jurisdiction, by reason of some still observing such festivals as were superstitiously kept in other countries, to the great dishonor of God and offense of others, it's therefore ordered by this court... And the authority thereof, that whosoever shall be found observing any such day as Christmas or the like, either by forbearing of labor, or feasting, or any other way, shall pay 
a fine. <laughs> so you are forbidden to engage in Christmas feasting. They didn't want you taking the day off for Christmas. They didn't want you celebrating and marking it. It was actually in the law book of the Massachusetts Bay Colony that you would face financial penalty for doing so. One of the Puritans named Increase Mather. Increase Mather says, Christmas occurs on December 25th, not because Christ was born in that month, but because Saturnalia was kept at that time in Rome. Now hold on. I know he's saying that. And I believe he thinks that. And that that is what drove a lot of his concerns. But we can demonstrate historically that the affection of December 25th preceded that. So his concern, being what it is, ought not to have decisive influence. One writer puts it this way. Puritans believe Christmas was basically a pagan custom. And that there was no biblical basis for it. It had nothing to do with Christianity, they would claim. Bands like this would even continue into the 18th and 19th centuries. The U.S. House of Representatives actually convened on Christmas in 1802. Which would seem unthinkable today. You just can't imagine saying, oh yeah, you know, we're going to have this important uh, you know, legislative meeting on Christmas this year. No, nobody would stand for that. But in 1802 they did. Christmas was almost universally accepted by about 1840 in the United States and was declared a national holiday in 1870. Now, Spurgeon loved the Puritans. But I've got to lean with Spurgeon on this one. He thought they were wrong about this. Spurgeon did not follow the Puritans on this matter of Christmas. He believed it ought to be celebrated and with great rejoicing and feasting. He said the Lord has granted his people liberty in the Old and New Testaments to remember him and rejoice in what he has done. And in a sermon called A Merry Christmas, Spurgeon makes the case from the book of Esther which established the Feast of Purim that was not given in the Torah in the books of Moses, that remembering what God has done is an appropriate practical exercise for the believers of Christ. So despite all of Spurgeon's great affection and writings about the wonderfulness of Puritan writings, he does not follow them in this matter. He believes it is good and right for believers to gather together and eat and rejoice and celebrate the birth of Christ. So we consider the seventh question. Well, what should we do with December 25th? Now, you're not obligated to celebrate Christmas. This is not because the Bible lays some sort of moral duty upon us. But I do believe we are free in Christ to do so. That it's an exercise of prudence and wisdom, given what we want to celebrate and rejoice in. You see, this is not, this is not a, a talk tonight dealing with Santa Claus and elf on a shelf and uh, Christmas lights and trees and mistletoe. and All, all of these things have, have interesting connections to explore. This is a very focused time tonight. Just thinking, December 25th, is that rooted in paganism? And I'm wanting you to say, that doesn't seem to be what the evidence suggests. The evidence seems to suggest, by the unexpressed writings of those who were Christians in the 200s, 300s, and 400s, writing about December 25th, that it wasn't about their pagan holiday being imitated, but rather marking the conception of Christ in March because of the date of his crucifixion they believed took place. 
And this historical evidence seems to be further confirmed by the dispute about calendars in the East, which believed he was crucified on April the 6th and therefore celebrated Christmas nine months later on January 6th. These particular elements together seem to point to the best historical basis. So if someone says to you, well, you know, you should have nothing to do with Christmas. Don't you realize it's rooted in the worship of Mithras? Or winter solstice paganism, or Horus's birthday, or Sol Invictus, we need to know that they are propagating the same kinds of historical misunderstandings that have been going on for years, but that weren't claims made for the first thousand years of the church's history, nor by the early church writers who wrote about why December 25th mattered. They tied it to the birth of Christ, not because they could demonstrate in the text that he was born on December 25th. So what should we do with December 25th? Well, none of us think that December 25th coming up is going to mark the actual date when Christ is born. None of us, let me, let me put it this way, none of us could think that with textual basis. You might be able to say, well, you know, it could be this time of year, it could be that time of year, and people have made different arguments. And that's fine. I'm, I'm fine being uh, un, uh, uh, neutral on that question. Because I don't think we can know for sure textually when the birth of Christ is. But to join the church, which from its early centuries has ascribed some significance to this, it's not to elevate church tradition in some sort of unhealthy way, but to recognize that the church throughout its centuries has celebrated the birth of Christ. Now, whether they did it on January 6th or whether they did it on December 25th, they were saying, listen, folks, this is the incarnation. And therefore, to give focused attention to it, is not improper, but perhaps a matter of prudence and wisdom based on circumstance and cultural concerns, congregational conviction. We're in a church that wants to mark and rejoice in the incarnation. But it's not because we think these things have anything to do with paganism. Rather, we believe we are free in Christ to celebrate Christ on December 25th. Not because we can tell you that's when he was born but because there are concerns rooted in church tradition that align Christians throughout the ages toward a certain date. If you do celebrate Christmas, which I think in Christ we are free to do, then we should make Christmas about Christ. In other words, good news of great joy for all people is the Savior and not any of the consumeristic commercial trappings that are attached to this time of year for people who think nothing of Christ. In other words, those who ought to think the most of Christ at Christmas should be believers and not engaged in practices and celebrations that seem to diminish Christ for something else. So I would call us to be eager that if we are free in Christ to celebrate Christmas, to make Christmas about the incarnation with gusto. In other words, you know, set the tables and hang the lights as we've sung. Ring the bells. This is the incarnation. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe. And I don't know about you, but I want to sing about it loudly. <laughs> and I want to rejoice in it with others throughout the Christian church, contemporary and ancient, who have wanted to pay attention to the incarnation. And it is not because we can find in the New Testament that a feast has been established. So we're not trying to say, okay, we're being biblical for you know, uh, the seasons of the year until we get to this. And now we're doing something else the Bible doesn't teach. 
What we're trying to do is to say, hey, you know what? The Bible also doesn't tell us to meet on Wednesday evenings, but here we are. We're trying to say that there are good and wise and calendrical, if that's a word, um, structures that can orient the discipleship of the church. And that can be good and prudential and healthy for us to grow and celebrate in. So there are plenty of things that we do that don't have a textual basis like me up here and you sitting in pews. And, you know, there's all sorts of things that you could give example that have come in time through good and, and, uh, and necessary purposes to allow the worship of the saints of God to take place in certain venues. So we're not obligated to celebrate Christmas. But I think we're free in Christ to do so. And I don't think historically the evidence points that Christmas was rooted in paganism. I think instead it was rooted in Christians who wanted to mark the conception and birth and death of Christ. And that their lives would be informed by what God had worked among them. The wonder of his coming into the world. Let's pray.